Hey guys, welcome back to my podcast. I hope you're excited today because I'm bringing back on Alex and we're going to talk about what's happened with the dollar. Guys, we got a lot of great stuff to talk about, like the G7 summit that's happening this weekend. We're talking about central banks and their power right now they have over us and really how that's all kind of coming together and converging is how it's affecting other markets internationally. And, you know, your dollar may be useless here in other countries here very soon. So stay tuned, guys. Enjoy this episode. And we'll see you guys here shortly. Hey guys, welcome back. It's Brandon Lopez here. We're on B Michael, B Michael Venture Talks, and today again we're joined with Alex, and we're gonna talk about some pretty cool stuff. I'm not gonna lie. You know, we got we had some huge news over this past weekend with the G7 summit, and you know, a couple other interesting kind of pointers that we're gonna, we're gonna give you guys today that I think will actually really help with yourself, you know, your finances and and what you're doing right now. So, Alex, I just wanted to say what you know, it's a pleasure having you back on, man. And let's just jump right into this. I, I got a couple questions for you. Thank if you, you got some. Uh, time here so what are your thoughts i know um you know this last weekend actually this weekend probably so right now they're having some closing thoughts but the g7 summit uh i know you've been kind of you said you looked over a little bit but i think it's actually really important what that whole meeting is about because i think we can actually talk about a lot of different things like how it's affecting central banks how it's going to affect other countries and you know demonetizing our dollar so i just you know let's just hop right into this topic of the g7 summit G7 has been, uh, it's very early, so um, there's still a lot to go. But it's definitely different from the last time, you know, when you have Trump meeting Putin for the first time and, you know, the left media or, or basically the whole media was like, no, don't meet with that. You know, they're, they're screaming. And now they're, we're seeing that again. Uh, different side, same slogan. Mm-hmm. Don't meet with them again. Don't meet with Putin. Don't meet. Why? Why not? Why Why is Russia buying so much gold and our media is saying don't meet with them? That's pretty interesting, you know, uh, and that's really – and just to um, bring up another event that's supposed to be coming, and I think it's inevitable, is Basel three. So uh, G7 is important in the, in the geopolitical range, but in the geofinancial range, we have Basel three, uh, and for those of you who are – a little Hearst in history, you know that Basel One is um, the previous economic standard. That this is kind of setting up the gold standard of the U.S. and as the U the dollar as the world reserve currency. So we had Basel One in the 20s, the 30s, that, that time period, and then we had um, Basel Two, which was the beginning of fiat money, fiat currency, uh, which is what we have now, and so. We're seeing about every 50 years, 50 years ago was Basel II, um, 50 years before that was Basel I, and this is in Basel, Switzer, uh, Switzerland. We're seeing um, big changes after, so there's a lot to look forward to, and I think that's actually going on at the end of the year, and actually the end of the month too. So. Okay, it's interesting. So, what would you say is something we should look at for Basel III? Um, should we be worried? Should you know, you know, as investors, maybe as you know, business owners, should we be worried about that meeting, or should uh, we be more cautious in other areas? I wouldn't be worried, but I'd be prepared. And the way to prepare for such an event would be to—it's very simple. <laughs> you know, our ancestors have been doing this for a long time. Buy some physical silver. Buy some physical gold. Uh, buy real assets. Uh, think about getting some some acres in the middle of nowhere where you can grow food. You know, these are real things that you know one provide privacy, but also provide 
a product. You you can grow food, you can sell food, you can, um, you know, I think we're going to see a, a bit of a shift coming up, maybe in the next 10 years, definitely, really, the whole, this whole past two years, we've seen a shift, things have been changing so much, but uh, I think we're going to see that continue, and so buy the things you need, um, casually stock up, I'm not saying own like a million pieces of two by fours. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying own some silver and some gold and uh, some seeds. Absolutely. You know, I definitely think I'm going to start stockpiling and some seeds and some land because, gosh, you know, that, that's insane if you think about it. Because, I mean, you're talking five years, ten years, like it's nothing. I mean, that's, that's you know, for some of us who are younger, I mean, that's half my lifetime. So, I mean, that's not that's right here around the corner. Um but you know, it's actually interesting. I, I think you for that point. And that's conservative as well. I, I think that you know, it could be obviously it could be sooner. I, we're in a position right now where it's like a, uh, it's a cluster of just like terrible ideas that have been going on for fifty years now, and so now we're seeing uh, G seven and uh, the Basel three. We're seeing them talk about different financial steps moving forward. And just to bring up another slight topic is Cuba saying uh, no more dollars after July, I think, 30th. I could be yeah. a little off on the exact date. Yeah, it's, it's about July 30th. Yeah. Yeah. And they're saying don't bring dollars. Come to Havana. You know, come get a tan. But don't bring your dollars with you because they're not going to buy squat. And that's interesting. <laughs> what? Who else is doing that? You know, Russia is saying – um, that they're going to de-dollarize and they're they're finished with U.S. dollars and the manipulation that goes on with the SWIFT system. And trust me, you know, all these, there's a sentiment uh, and, you know, here in America, we even talk about it too, is that other countries hate us, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's because of stuff like this, we hate, the, we hate the, the same people who are messing with both of us, you know? We just want to free our money and, you know, move on, grow some, grow some cherries, you know, and keep going. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of cherries, you're going to have to send me some because apparently, guys, Alex has the best cherry fields in all of America. So he needs them. Shoot an email. <laughs> yeah. Can hey. do. All right, but no, seriously, let's get back. So Cuba, de- yeah, Cuba de-dollarizing. Yeah, that's that's important because, guys, I don't know about you, but you know the fact that you know if you want to go start traveling and these countries start opening up, but the fact is, hey, you can come out, you know, but we're going to start limiting what you can purchase with your U.S. dollars or, you know, in Cuba right now or, you know, as of July 30th, you're going to have no purchasing power in our country with your money. So having those alternative assets or, you know, investing into, you know, foreign exchanges may be something to look into, especially if you're sort of traveling. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's something very uh, – to. <laughs> It's something to give a lot of attention to, and that is why are they doing that? And just to get to add to a little perspective of that, um, the official U.S. Cuban peso exchange rate is about one to twenty-five, so that's twenty-five pesos per one U.S. dollar. And on the black market right now, it's about one to seventy-five, one U.S. dollar for seventy-five Cuban pesos. So. These people who are saying, oh, we don't de-dollarize, these are criminals themselves. You know, these are bankers themselves. This is the Bank of Cu- this is the bank of Cuba, Bank of Havana. 
and they're they're they already have an issue going on and so really it's kind of perplexing why they would do that when they have their own obvious currency manipulation going on and, do you think uh, that do you think that they're just trying to keep up with the Joneses? You know, because the fact is, I think I don't know. I I just feel like a lot of these a lot of these countries they they look at the United States for I mean as we are the monetary you know standard right now, but going forward, you know, I I think we also might start seeing this this distinct separation, not just from you know country to country, but you know, since the monetary policy, our monetary system was kind of connecting a lot of our countries together, I wish we start seeing that separation in you know monetary system. We're also seeing the separation, so you know, like a socio-economic thing as well. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think Cuba could ever keep up with the Joneses. I I don't. I just don't yeah. think they'd want to do that. And also, I think it's a sign that changes in the air. You know, there are okay. there are new winds blowing. And they're all blowing the same direction as that, and that is the precious metals. And it's really obvious, you know. It's it's obvious to those who have their eyes open and are kind of watching and saying, "Look at this financial mess." You know, they're printing trillions of dollars all the time. You know, we're seeing that, and anyone who sees that and they're not like, "Uh oh, ah, that's that's uh, you know, <laughs> that's an issue." And so I think it's a sign of something more to come. You know, it's it's Russia just now doing this de-dollarization. It's just in the last year or so. Um, they might have. I'm sure they've been planning for it for some time now. Uh, that that's a big mm-hmm. monument, and that's that just that just complements the uh, sustainability of Russia in an economical sense. They have a good economy now. They they refused debt, uh, which is what the backbone of the Western, you know, economies are is debt. It's debt debt and more debt and just more yeah. refinancing and you know that's got us far but really it's not what we want long term and so i'm happy to see uh cuba saying hey uh, we don't want to take dollars but i it's and what take pesos no i'd rather see them say hey <laughs> we're going to take um we're going to accept gold it's legal tender here we're going to accept silver it's legal tender or we're going to accept Bitcoin as legal tender. I know El Salvador just said they're going to accept Bitcoin as legal tender. So we'll have to see how that goes because that's a new that's a new variable here. But yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot going on. That's interesting that you mentioned the you know, El Salvador because just recently I, I have a good friend of mine. His his dad, um, you know, has, has some strong ties over in El Salvador, and he was telling me that. You know, one of the main main reasons why that they're accepting Bitcoin now over there is for the fact that you know their their monetary system is, is crumbling, and they need another and they they need a, his words, not mine. I need a sustainable like avenue to support our entire economy that actually you know gives us an opportunity to grow. And so I find that interesting because you know we we could definitely see that with Cuba here soon. Maybe some other. Um, Eastern civilization as well. That I think soon, yeah. I mean, we're looking at the gold standard. We're looking at, you know, we get an adoption of Bitcoin. A lot of these alternative assets that will easily replace the U.S. dollar. And I, I just see, you know, this huge separation from that, you know, just the United States, but just a lot of um, central banks as well. Which actually, I think is another topic we should talk about real quickly. And you know, the power of the central banks right now, and how how big of a grip they have on 
uh, the world economy because I don't think a lot of people realize that that it's not the governments that control the world. It's really the central banks. And the central banks, you know, they're 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 funding their. They own the governments. Yeah, and and, and that's something and, you know. I think some. And the government is a business, and banks buy businesses and refinance businesses. So it's like banking government are like PB and J, you know. So please continue, but they they no. get along. They coexist for a reason. One controls uh, the slave by from the money sense. The other one controls them from like a law sense, mm-hmm. and. So we're seeing just how powerful these people are, and the government really would not be as powerful as it is today as they claim to be today, and without yeah, and the central bank. No, you're right because I was looking at the some numbers just a few days ago, and you know their balance sheet, the Fed, the U.S. Fed just crossed eight trillion dollars on their balance sheet, which is a lot in debt. You know, the fact is they have much in debt to the central banks, really. You know, there's it's it's, it's kinda, like numbing. You know, these these yeah. banks, it's like they're they the numbers just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, you know, and something that's that's a good point too. I saw this yet, um, actually two days ago on a separate podcast that I was listening to. Um, the gentleman said, "Yeah, no. So right now we're playing with you know single digit trillions for the next five ten years. Who knows if we're if we're still in this debt crisis? We'll be playing with two digit trillions like it's nothing." And I'm just like, gosh, like. There's got to be a limit. I mean, there's got to be a limit. But there's no limit when it's paper. That's the issue. And and another thing I want to mention too: What are your thoughts on the actual, yeah, uh, the actual value of the dollar? Now, I know we talked about this previously in a a couple podcasts, but um, I want to bring up the point that I I looked up actually this yesterday. uh, There's an article that talked about. Um, currently now the dollar is one thirtieth of its value than it was about a hundred years ago, about 90 some years ago. That's, um, that's pretty generous of you. I, I've looked at some stats and it's somewhere about a hundred years, but I think it's actually more like it's all, it's lost 98% of its purchasing power. It's like a lot. Really? Yeah. It's way worse than. Well, one thirtieth is roughly like you know one or two percent. So I mean that that'd be about ninety eight percent loss. But yes, please. please oh, right on. Yeah, right on. But yeah, no, I I, I want to bring up that number, guys, because the fact is, you know, back then, you, you know, I guess right now the equivalent would be if you gave me thirty dollars, I could give you a dollar's worth of assets back in you know one hundred years ago. So that really just goes to show what has happened to the actual value of our dollar. And you know, another another point I want to bring up. Alex and I want you to give me your honest opinion on this and like kind of your your perspective is you know I had a colleague come up, come up to me a couple days ago goes Brandon like why do you talk about you know I, I you know you, you've been telling me about you know inflation and how it's affecting the dollar like what do you mean that that money is debt and I said well do you realize that what you hold in your hand is a treasury note so what that means is that you know you actually hold debt in your hand and that you're buying stuff with debt and you're and like if you borrow money you're just borrowing more debt that you don't actually own, like your money is on asset. It's an, it's basically, you know, when you go to, you know, buy a house, and you're gonna finance or mortgage, you know, you're, you're, you, you know, you're collecting a note, and that note means that you have debt on the house. And so when someone hands you a dollar bill, you're, they're handing you debt. And he goes, well, I never thought of it like that way. So Alex, give me your thoughts on that. That's a seed that you just planted in whoever that was. So good for you. That is excellent. That's good work right there, because people need to know and. The, your money, he says, what do you mean money is debt? 
hold up. The dollar is debt. The dollar is not money. The dollar is a currency. A currency can be money, like gold. Gold is a currency. Silver is a currency. The U.S. dollar is a currency. Bits, Bitcoin is a currency. Ethereum, whatever the other random names are, is beyond me. But they're all currencies. That's why they're called cryptocurrencies. And so for those of you who are still wondering, you know, hey, what's going on here? Like, can you just break it down? It's simple. Gold and silver are money because they store value. If I have a barrel of oil and I keep it in some shed and 50 years later I I get it, it's probably going to do the same as it did 50 years before. It's it's oil. It's stored. It obviously depends on how it's treated. Uh, some oil bugs might say, nah, you're stupid. But it's the, it's the same concept of it stores value. You can use it. Um, uh, in at least some form, I guarantee you could light on fire 50 years later and it'll still do the same thing. Yeah. But it's, it's the store of value. The dollar is not store value because it's lost 98% of its value over the past hundred years. And so money is different from the dollar, which is what we use to buy groceries today. Money used to be the U S dollar because it was backed by gold because people paid in gold and actually they there's all this talk about the gold standard i don't really want a gold standard i don't really want a silver standard i don't want that because that's how we got in this mess in the first place there wasn't a dollar until uh the federal reserve came along and then there wasn't paper dollars for a, a long time after that so i don't i think we should be gentle about and a lot of people not just you and i but a lot of people need to be uh gentle and considerate about how they ask for the gold standard because that's how we got in this mess in the first place and that's how you know gold was measured in dollars instead of measured in weight which in our constitution silver the u.s dollar the u.s silver dollar is measured in silver grams and grains so there's a lot to learn, but uh, the dollar is not money. It's debt. It's a currency, which, and there's a difference. That's a great point. Thank you for bring, thank you for clarifying that. Because again, you know, there, there's two different perspectives there, guys, on how to look at that. But again, we're saying the same thing, and that money, you know, your dollar bills is it's a currency. It's not It's not an asset. It's just you know, exchange of you know how you can barter for goods. But one thing I do want to make another comment on, if, it, if it's okay with you, Alex, I want your you know opinion this as well is we had mentioned a couple of times here about and not just now but previously about how dollar bills money like this is debt right this is something that you need to look to avoid well you just made a comment that instead of necessarily going back to a gold or silver standard what else would you recommend if you were if you were a bank you were a central banker you were the government what would you then recommend well if i was a central banker and i had a backbone i would say Let's go for one to one, and uh, let's go for uh, a banking system that has reserves. And and the, it sounds complicated, but it's really not. Uh, the banking system today it's called fractional reserve banking. So basically, let's say uh, Brandon here comes into my bank, the Blake Bank, and he says, "Mr. Blake, I want a loan, uh, and I, or Mr. Blake, I have a deposit for you." And I'd say, okay, great. And so I'd take your $10 from him. I put it in my cash register at the bank and I'd, I'd keep $1. I'd keep 
and I'd loan the other nine dollars to other people who need mortgages or a car payment or you know whoever that's how the banking system works today and so it's very profitable for the big banks it's very bad for the for the consumer because if you would turn around right after i loaned all those dollars out and say hey hey man i want my 10 bucks back i'm gonna be like sorry uh can you come back tomorrow i don't have those dollars they're in you know billy's mortgage and you know his car payment they're already gone i spent them i went i went and i spent them so um if i was a central banker with a backbone and i really would rather not be a central banker because i think it's uh, it's it can be uh, a bit corrupting uh to say the least but it's we need to go back to bullion we need to go back to gold and silver not a standard but a of a weight measurement which you can measure and it's like not abstract and like pixie dust and fugazi fugazi it's like it's weight that's what we should go back to you know that's interesting because you know i I looked back in some previous ancient ancient historic empires such that you know i'm sure you've read the book you know the richest man in babylon and i'm currently just not finishing that right now and I love that book. And the reason what a why great I love book. it. No, it is. And the fact, you know, I want to make a comment about that because I love how they reference everything, you know, you know, the wealthiest man in Babylon, the happiest man in Babylon, right? All these different titles for the book, all these sections. But the most important part is they refer to the currency as gold. Yes. Yeah. You know, they had they were trading in gold and silver and bronze and copper. But the fact is, you know, the wealthiest man in Babylon, and I'll give you guys some spark notes here, is he was a money lender, but he, but what he did is, he, is you know, he leveraged his resources, and he, he kind of used a, some, you know, combination of both saving 10% of all his earnings, but also investing a good 20, um, a good 10, 15% of that, but he was a money, but, you know, the, the richest one was a money lender, and the fact is, you know, gold, 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 building wealth, they just, they throw that in your face a lot in the book, and it really, for me, Kind of clicked necessary. when, yeah, no, for me it clicked when it said like, you know, um, the, the part in the book where it talks about actually, you know, there, there was a transition to where, um, you know, they, they started doing, and I actually did some re- follow up research on this where, um, you know, the moment that you know the the decline of the you know Babylon was when they started instituting some, um, this some paper like I'm not saying it was anywhere like U.S. dollars, but it was some paper like mm, it fiat. probably was, yeah. And, and it was interesting because I was like, that's kind of what we did. I mean, if you think about it, we were, I'm not saying we were, you know, shoving around gold blocks everywhere. We, the- that's exactly what was happening. And it wasn't gold blocks, per se. A gold block is worth a lot. Yeah. And they're very pricey. Uh, to even touch them sometimes is, you know, rather expensive. Uh, but we moved like coins. And so it was like every other man, you know, might have had a $20 gold piece. And that's like what you know, fifteen hundred bucks. That'd be like the equivalent of that today, mm. or two thousand bucks. Or it's very, it's in between those numbers, and and that's not counting premiums. That's just based on the weight, because that's yeah. how they did things. And it was until um, I don't want to name the wrong president. A certain terrible president took us. I've lost my train of thought, but I have another train of thought that's just as great. And it's sure. from 
it's from uh, Albert Einstein, and he he says, you know, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. Those that understand it earn it. Those who don't pay it. Compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world, folks. And that's that well, making money on money. Compound interest is like lending. You know, it's not it's it's lending money. $10 plus interest. So you're going to pay me $11. And then I relend the $11. Now I make $15. And it's like continuous flow. It's money on money. And that's what these banks do. And if if compound interest doesn't, you know, if, if my explanation just doesn't do it for you, look it up. Compound interest. There's plenty of books on it. But that's an Albert Einstein quote for you is those who earn it, understand it. Those who pay it, clearly have no idea that they are paying for somebody's yacht in Bahini, wherever that is, and uh, they have no idea. Absolutely. No, that's a really good quote. I didn't realize Albert Einstein had said that, but um, I want to follow up on that comment because I think something even more important than that is a kind of full circle that, you know, his his point of view on, on the eighth wonder of the world is if you look in you know, the flip side of that, the antithesis, you know, compound interest could be good and bad. You know, you could, you know, when you're investing money, like you said, you reinvest that one dollar when you private, you know, when you lend that money, and then you get eleven. Then it's, you know, you reinvest it, reinvest it. You know, that's that. You know, there's your exponential growth. There's your, there's your index annuities, right? There's your, you know, your funds and all that stuff you invest. You know, those products in the stock market that are supposed to reflect that. But then, in the contrary, if you have take out a, mo- a mortgage or a debt, right, and you have interest. And you got to pay off that interest, and you don't pay that interest, and you keep incurring interest. And instead of you know paying off you know the interest and in, in the principal, what do you do? You take out more loans. Well, that's kind of the exact that's opposite. The, right. That's a perfect example because that is the exact opposite. Uh, when you earn it, you're getting cash on cash returns. That's that term, cash on cash. That's that compound interest. That's that infinite return. In some cases, and when you're not, it's it's that rat race debt trap that's yeah it's, it's kind of like a debt on debt you know debt on debt return you know what i'm saying it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting it's interesting because like it's you don't know, think about it and i know i surely wasn't at you know 16 17 18 even when i was you know working my my three jobs during high school but i tell you what now now that i look at investment property or looking at a opportunity to invest in a business and you know that's what i look for i said okay and what what kind of return what kind of yield am i going to get from this especially you know that of you know cash on cash returns you know yeah no please continue that's right on the nail right there what do you look for when you look for a business to buy when you own a business and you're looking to sell or not how do you know when you own a home and or you're leveraged on a home, you got a note, and you want to get out. You want to pay off all your debt. When do you sell? Like right now is a pretty fine time to sell a house, at least where I'm at. You know, they're they're selling for what they would have sold for like two fifty a couple of years ago. Now it's selling for like five fifty, four eighty, and it's like, yeah. Whoa. So now is obviously the time to sell. That's why it's called a seller's market, because there's some probably nice uh, married couple that is going to take on a massive <laughs> a massive amount of debt that they probably can't afford but they're going to make it work anyway because they're hard-working americans and they want the american dream and little do they know that there is a uh, a wizard oz behind the curtains pulling uh 
levers <laughs> some like old white crinkly man <laughs> drunk powell or yeah. someone and they're like pulling strings making it harder and harder and harder for working people to afford these things and so can we talk ooh. about that real quickly and i'm sorry to, i'm starting to butt you out there right there because before before i lose my train of thought can we dive a little more into that and why do you think they're doing that why why are they making it so hard you know, for the you know the newly the newly wed right out of college, or you know the um you know the hardworking blue collar workers who you know really you know looking to find that buy that first good house for their family. Like, why is it becoming so much more harder to buy? It's become more expensive. There's it's cheaper to borrow the interest rates. Right. It's it's exactly that. Uh, you can get cheap loans in terms of for. <laughs> In terms of interest rates, now I wouldn't say it's a cheap loan when you pay five hundred thousand dollars for a two hundred fifty thousand dollars house. I wouldn't say it's cheap at all. I'd say it's definitely overpriced, but it's it's. Go ahead. No, no, I'm so, I'm sorry for putting at you again, but there's one thing I want to make a comment on as well, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but. Right now, if someone were to buy a house for said price, say five hundred thousand, like you're mentioning. And you know we have a correction in the market like we're due to have to two fifty. They're locked into that mortgage, correct? Yep. So that's one thing I think people should also open up their eyes to, and why that. You and what does that be- create? You know, what does that <laughs> what does that create when there's a bunch of mom and pops? You know, wonderful people. Nothing wrong with it. You know, these people just want a home. In a nice home at that, they want, you know, the granite countertops and they want, uh, you know, the fenced-in backyard and some extra acres to guard it. You know, the people want that. They're willing to pay for that, especially with what they cannot afford. We have been trained and led by our uh, wonderf- wonderfully corrupt leaders to go for debt and kind of throw away value. And so when you do that, People will go through bankruptcy, and that is a fact. There's nothing that can stop that unless the government literally just like pays people and absorbs them. Unless they keep printing more money, which they have been doing for a while, I don't see why they could, would stop now. But unless they do that, these people are going to go through bankruptcy, and it's going to be worse than 2008. And it's going to be way worse. And all these hedge funds that are buying houses on houses on houses, and they're levered to the ceiling. They have so much debt they will be in trouble and they're going to go through bankruptcy court and that's when the market will shift wealth will change hands in a matter of moments uh from those who couldn't afford it to those that are meek you know those that count their pennies and they keep them and they're waiting for the rainy day those that stack their silver even though they don't fully believe it those you know those that prepare and and wait those that are patient yeah, that's when I, we're going to see that. Absolutely, you know the patient investor is always the winner. I tell you what, there's there's been multiple times where I've had some of my best swing trades, or you know the best houses come up in the market that I want to go in wholesale that pop up literally at the last minute, or you know like I'll be sitting there like you know weeks will go by for a good deal to come pop you know pop up my screen and I'll be oh wow finally an off market deal that's you know sixty percent ARV and I I you know get some good collateral on it. And to tell you what, the people who were jumping, you know, waiting and anticipating and then you know, just quitting because it's, the, the, nothing popped up soon enough, they lost out. And I think that's something, you, should, you know, again, that's a reason to follow up on. 
as an investor right now. I mean, I don't know about you, but personally, uh, you know, we actually we, we mentioned this previously about how we're stacking our second or gold and silver right now. But more importantly, I'm looking to start buying businesses as well, you know, start buying equity in some businesses that I think would actually really succeed here in the near future. And so I kind of I kind of get your take on that too before we start wrapping up. Um, Cash flow is the oil to any machine, especially um, especially a consumer. Cash flow is king, you know, cash flow, not necessarily cash, but cash flow. It's the oil. It's what keeps it running. And so these businesses that produce cash, ATMs, cash on cash returns, that's that's compound interest. Um, the, any of these businesses that produce cash, heavy cash, that's going to be very helpful. That's going to keep the engine running, the machine moving. It's going to keep things going because it's 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 liquid. It's liquidity, and everyone. I don't care where you are, who you live, what you do, what kind of you know, how many pets you you know, anything. You need cash flow. That's these pensions that we're seeing right now, which are getting worse and worse and worse, and they're getting eaten up. Cash flow is the oil to the machines that we see today. Um, without them, Amazon is not going to deliver your package with shipping. If they were to go socialized, <laughs> Amazon would get way less, and they're very efficient. You know, hey, I, I'm not a super, I'm not a super supporter of. Huge enterprises. I like to grow my own things and try my best to mind my own business. But there, sometimes the efficiency of Amazon will get you, and that's that cash flow is the only way that keeps Amazon together. Interesting. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a really great point because the businesses that I'm looking into, more importantly, have that high yield cash flow. Right. They are they're consistently bringing in returns that. As an investor, as someone who wants to put money on the table, it, it, I would feel comfortable leaving my money with them, knowing that it's going to grow. You know, um, I'll give you another example. I'm looking into, um, you know, higher yield portfolios. You know that that uh, that are through DeFi, right? And you know, with decentralized finance now, especially with you know because the, the cryptocurrency exchange and all the networks and smart contracts being built, you know, you can look at and get higher yields on. You know, I mean, on what I saw yesterday, and I don't know if you, you looked at this, but there was there's one protocol that I was looking at, even 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 one liquidity pool that had over 500% APY, which is kind of incredible. And for the fact is, you know, they have just under a billion dollars staked for an annual locked contract. That means, you know, your your money is pretty safe. And it's, you know, it's not, I mean, there's always risk, right? There's always risk. But the fact is, you know, you're looking at somewhere around, I'd say just. I see a red flag in that and I'm going to, I'm going to go full throttle at it. Sure. I don't like the idea of paper, 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 paper. It reminds me of bureaucrats and they just slow everything down. Paper on paper on paper, or in this case, digital. Um, I know last time we talked we talked about a beautiful subject that I've had some clarity on, and those are the NFTs, non-fungible yeah. tokens. I don't like the idea of those at all. What? What? What's wrong with here's three? You know, here's fifteen, fifty, whatever. Here's fifty ounces. Thank you for your house. Here's a handshake. Here's a piece of paper. We're going to sign that says the deed is mine. 
why do we need uh, a non-fungible token? Now you have to have the internet, you have to have electricity, now you have to have the servers, the Wi-Fi servers. And if you're if you're security conscious, you got to have a VPN or you know some other aspect that protects your identity, just sure. because you don't want these these stuff to get hacked. So decentralized finance, DeFi. I love uh, the idea of non-centralized finance, and that's why I'm intrigued with Bitcoin. But I'm not a fan of illusions and you know no value. Uh, I like the reason I like cherry trees is because I can eat cherries. The reason I like mulberry trees is because I can eat mulberries. The reason I like gold is because I can hold it in my hand. The reason I, I I'm I'm a simple person, and I'm not just speaking for myself here, is that when it gets too, when I look for yield, I'm extra careful because I want before I want yield and the cash flow. I love cash flow, so I want it, but I want the value add cash flow i want the cash flow because i'm adding value now DeFi, that's 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 the same gist you're loaning your money for this interest rate but mm, you lose all control and you know it's robert kiyosaki he's great at saying you know mind your business and not like you know stay out of mind but keep your mind on your money on your business and really it can't be money if it's not going to silver, <laughs> you know, that would be currency. So you're moving your currency, which is fine for a return of APY. <coughs> I don't know, but I know that um, it's not money. That's for sure. That's currency. And so the, just understanding the basic difference uh, provides that perspective that uh, I'm elaborating on here is that we need to keep our eye on value you know can this feed somebody can this save somebody can this drink <laughs> can somebody drink this you know and so that's that's more what i think people are going to start to look at moving forward is this value add cash flow value add cash flow i mean you, I mean you can see that very commonly with sustainable businesses that you know have been around for a while you know, if you, if you look at some of their, their their cash and cash returns or even some of their statements, you know, you, you see the consistency that they've built because of their value add. And like I said, I know I, I know I know we don't see eye to eye on everything. And like I said, you, you value more of the actual gold and silver and I you know, I, I like more I like more the crypto market and there's uh, nothing wrong with either of them. You know, I like I said there's goods and bads to everything. You know, there, there's no right or wrong answer. Um, no way. Yeah, there's no right or wrong answer. Right. So, I mean, and I, like I said, I have bought, guys, and like I said, I, I love having Alex on here because, like I said, sometimes we have difference of opinions, but the fact is we're both thinking the right direction, and that is, you know, we're, tr we're trying to give you options, you know, to put your money somewhere where, where at least you th it might be a little more safer than holding it in a bank account. You know, it might be safer than just letting it just sit there because it's losing value very quickly. Exactly. And you, people are not an idiot. Anybody who's listening to this knows and that buys groceries or gasoline or any product at all, <laughs> you know that prices are getting higher. And so it's really just how can I combat this? And that's why the term safe yields, uh, it scares me. It scares me, just the term. And I, no, I don't scare easy. Snakes and, you know, safe yields, that's what scare me. <laughs> And it's because the safe yields are always run by snakes. You know, I just got this thing. But it's it's the safe yields 
that promise. There's there's certainty. It's like an annuity. Yeah. <sighs> I'm not here to buy annuities. I'm here to buy the real estate because you know either the position, you know, location, 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 or you know if it's a warehouse, the the maneuverability. You know what is Amazon buying? What is Jeff Bezos? What is he buying for Amazon? Trucks to move products. Uh, I guarantee you, he's not going to let himself run out of that. Cranes to move, or you know, uh, forklifts. Uh, boxes, <laughs> you know, these are things that actually have value because they have utility. Okay. And so perhaps my approach is a bit uh, dated or specialized in, in, in utilitarian viewpoint, but it's safe yields uh, that doesn't exist. Um, no, there, there isn't. There, there is no such thing as a safe yield. You know, I was talking with a you know colleague of mine just here recently, and he asked me about what's a good investment opportunity to put his money that would provide long-term, you know, long-term, you know, legitimately looking like, you know, one to two year stake his money somewhere. I said, well, and and I guess his last comment was just make sure, you know, that when you tell me it's something that's really safe, like, you know, that I I can trust it. I'm like, well, then don't ask me that. Then, you know, I I can't give you an honest answer because there is no such thing as a guaranteed yield, the safety. Like, dude, you're investing your money. Like the more money, the more money you invest, and the and the higher, you know, the, the the higher the the APY, or the higher the the yield, the higher the return. Like that's the more responsibility that's been put on you as an investor. So you, you can look for a really low and safe, quote unquote, yield, and you think that you're gonna be safe with your money, but there's always risk. There's always something where it's like, oh well, I could lose everything, right? You know, you could lose everything, even though that you have a ninety nine percent percent chance that you're not going to. You'd be surprised. But, 1%. Uh, you know, even if, okay, let's put a beautiful little, uh, not little, simple explanation of this. Safe yield. We know that the food prices are rising every year. Oh, what percent do you think it is? Three, four, five, Shoot. Well, seven, I can tell you right 10, now. 15. No. No, I'm, you know, actually, Alex, before I let you continue, because this is actually really important, before I let you um, continue on this, is, guys, go look at the CPI numbers right now. In the last five months, four months, five months right now, we're up to about 2.8% inflation already. And that's just the CPI numbers from January 1st till now. And that's the CPI numbers from the government. I don't know if you've ever filed for a license, but government has its way of taking its time. And those are corrupt numbers. They're not two, three percent. And the only reason they are, maybe, <laughs> perhaps, is because they've taken food, energy, and gas out of the oh, picture. Exactly. Exactly. So these aren't even things. And so to continue, there's like the CPI, the consumer price. Let's say it's let's let's be nice. Let's say it's five percent. Okay, because we know it's more than two because they're liars. And you, you actually texted me the other day, and I think the simplicity of my answer is kind of funny. It's just like, uh, what do they mean when the, the Fed chairman is saying, you know, this is transitory or this is – I said, honestly, they're liars. <laughs> and, you know, they don't even believe anything they say because you can't. If you could, I'd – Please prove me wrong. Maybe they are saints and I'm the one that is confused. Maybe these these cherries I've been eating are are rotten to the brain and I'm the, I'm crazy. But until <laughs> then, they're lying. And so let's say 
inflation's 5%. So gas prices are going to be 5% higher next year than they are this year. I bet you it's going to be a lot more, but 5% and you're looking for some safe yield in dollars at 5%. Listen, buddy, that's going to get eaten up. You're not that's not growth. That's maintaining your losses. That's managing, you know, that's why I say the best way to play right now is get out of the system, get you some gold, silver, get you straight up bullion. Don't buy because they're pretty, even though they are. Buy for the weight. You know, try to buy as low premium as you can. I don't care if it's silverware. I don't care what you buy or rings or, or bullion. Buy this so you are prepared for the steps that happen next because I guarantee you Russia, uh, Cuba – are not turning away dollars and buying gold by the boatload. And I'm not talking about like speedboat load. I'm talking about like cargo boatload, like cargo yeah. ship. They are buying it by the ton, large amounts of tonnage, thousands of, uh, of, of ounces. And follow what they're – don't listen to what they say because they're liars and they're con men. Listen to what they do. And just to play on that, uh, Ben Bernanke was a very popular Fed chairman, um, financial person, basically a minister of finance for the Fed, uh, this vague, rogue entity that prints our dollars. And he was being interviewed by uh, Ron Paul. And Ron Paul asked him, said, hey, why do central banks own gold and he says tradition hmm. huh so you're spending thousands of dollars per ounce to supervise a little piece of metal paperweight because of what tradition you, you're very tradition you wear your you know no they're buying it because they understand that that's money and he who owns the gold makes the rules he who owns the gold makes the rules, and that's a fa and silver. He who owns them makes the rules, and these people are straight up liars. And uh, the only reason it'd be tradition is because it holds value. That's why it's traditional because it's so simple. <laughs> and so these people are straight up liars. Um, and really, it's just looking for value. Check out the intelligent investor. Look at some of these um, these books that talk about value investing because the safe yield return is for losers uh, and it's the value add is for the people who actually want to survive. Um, I think it might come to that. You know, if it is one of those things where people will lose their lunch and usually around this time of the market cycle, you know, when things are going <laughs> very bad, there's usually a lot of uh, suicides in corporations. Um, I'm not suicidal. Uh, I don't think that I'm gonna do. I'm, I'm not looking to jump off a building because I choose value, and I, I can I can eat these things. I'm not. My business isn't fully. Um, I would be out of business. A banker would be out of business if people realized that they were ripping them off. I don't rip people off, so I don't have to worry about those things. But these bankers who are jumping off of buildings in 2008, in 2009, 2010, 2012, and they're starting to happen again, uh, they're doing that for a reason, um, and the house of cards is falling, around, uh, falling apart. So uh, buy gold, buy silver while you can. 100%.
Alex, you're awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on to the show today, dude. I had an absolutely um, um, awesome talk. Love it. I honestly love just chatting with you. But guys, you know, honestly, there's a lot of things you can take away from this. Um, you know, we had a lot of different topics. We talked about, you know, the G7 thing in the beginning there. Talked about, you know, what, what Cuba's doing. What a lot of other international countries are starting to do, which is what? Devaluing, decentralizing, looking looking at other methods, looking at how, how can they kind of separate themselves from, from the U.S. currency. Now, guys, and I guess it's kind of it's confusing and overwhelming if this is your first time. This is, you know, your first episode with us. So please go back and check out the other ones that we've talked about. But that's as, really- com- as confusing as it is, is also as possible as profitable as it will be. Uh, as I'm just going to say that again because it's very important. These are so confusing. Financial news and getting a financial education. It isn't like a baseball or a basketball game or even a swim meet for those that like swimming. It's not like that. It is very slow. You got to get your get an understanding and build. Um, it's not fast paced and like filled with beautiful models and like you know no. pinky rings. It's not. It's filled with books, <laughs> um, uh, long talks, uh, a couple coffees. You know, it's 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 built from process and progress and just as another you know maybe quote to tie us up here is wisdom is not accumulated in in uh, in a couple of moments but more of a a lifetime attempt to acquire it so you can't just like learn these things you watch a basketball game and now you can play in the nba it's more like you got to study the film study what's going on here for a while and then take decisive action and prepare and before you invest like in some sort of return make sure you have money first get physical money money like not dollars paper treasury notes that you how you mentioned perfectly get some money first that way you have liquidity in case you need it absolutely absolutely And, and you know that's a really great point too because I know when I first started, everything that I did was based around, you know, I actually, my first investment ever was a penny stock that I had found under $2, right? I bought like a thousand shares, whatever it was. And God, it was, it was saddest thing. I lost half my value. Like oh, I'm, all my dollars going down the drain. And, you know, it, it's just funny to hear, you know, when you say money, you know, when I was 16, 17, I was like, oh yeah, U.S. dollars. But when you say money, I say money now. I'm like, look at look at what money actually like. What kind of assets are you actually holding? What where where is your value as a human being? Where is that placed at? For me, I'm placed at gold. It's placed in silver. It's placed in cryptocurrencies. I'm placed in yes, I have some actual U.S. dollars currency laying around here and there. But 95% of it right now is leveraged in other in other assets that are actually paying me to hold them. So I, would you would you agree? Would you not agree with that? That's excellent. Uh, I would say ninety five is. Uh, it just depends, you know. I, my balance, your balance sheet isn't in front of me, um, and mine isn't in front of you. So, but just off of the of what we're saying, yeah, paying you to own it. What a concept! Hey, um, I'm gonna invite you into this business. We need fifty thousand dollars to do this but we we already have earnings so we can pay you uh, over time and you can have a payment 
every three months, every quarter for the next 15 years if you give us this money now. That used to be investing. That used to be mainstream investing. And now it's, yo, have you seen GameStop? You know, it's like that's 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 investing today. And it doesn't yeah. make any sense. None of these high-fly stocks today, I say none with with uh, with some looseness, offer dividend. How many... How many offer dividend yield? You know, they're going to pay you to own them. Um, not many. And yet people go to these like flies on honey anyway. They go anyway. And uh, that's that's called a bull trap is where we're at now. The market is over leveraged. Those, the smart money has, <laughs> the smart money pulled out a long time ago. And the, the smart money pulled out in 2020. And now it's just this, the herd, which is running now, and they're, they've taken over the show and, you know, the media. But it can only go on for so long. I watched this episode of Doug Casey today, mm. and he's just saying uh, he's, a, he's a great um, – he's an author, and he's a big financial uh, author and, you know, just an investor. But he's like, I don't see why we don't have – a war, <laughs> you know, like a, a civil war. I don't see why we wouldn't have that. I don't see why, you know, we wouldn't have, you know, so global supply breakdown. I don't see why it could get any worse. Yet, anyway, there are people buying paper or they're not even buying paper. They're they're just giving screen time. They're just, they're just buying uh, stocks for no reason that don't offer any yield. They're just part of the hype. And those people are going to get wiped out. And we're going to see it. Yeah, and, and let's let's close on that because that's a really good comment about how we can we can avoid that. You know, even though majority may get wiped out, and that that's just a truism, because you know, they're 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 you know, investing is a zero sum game, right? Someone's going to lose, someone's going to win. Not uh, not always, but it does happen sometimes. And I, I'm I've kind of picked you apart here, but I'm not trying to. Uh, we know that we're friends here, but I just want to clarify for the obvious. I'm not, for the audience. I'm not trying to like pick on Brandon here. He's my friend, but I am trying to say it doesn't always have to be a zero sum game. It just is right now. It just right. is right now that, and you're 100% right about right now. But it, it investing doesn't have to be a lose game. When someone wins, someone loses. No, that's that's not true because you can buy. Let's say some farmer, hey, I need to sell some land. I'll sell you this land. Okay, I'd be happy to pay 5000 total for it. Farmer says, great. Now you buy the land. Nobody lost there. Now you can you know, build a, a hotel or build a city or build some fruit or build, you know. So it doesn't always have to be a zero-sum game. It's just it has been financialized. Our economy has been hollowed out and completely financialized and the number one business of the united states is banking okay it's not producing soybeans i can guarantee you that it's banking it's producing dollars the number one product of the united states government is dollars and debt (laughs) dollars and debt and debt is dollars so it's real the number one uh, commodity if it is such of the u.s government is debt Debt. (laughs) So, well, I think, I think that's a great way to clarify everything. Thank you for that. But 
Alex, you're awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on today, guys. I hope you learned something because, honestly, if you just take away the fact that the, the number one product right now that, that the government is selling you is debt, <laughs> I think – Debt I think, and vaccines. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. There's got to be a correlation there somewhere. I don't know yet. Um, yeah. Awesome. Alex, you're awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on, guys. That is all we have for you today. Um, because if you have any questions or comments, please leave it down below or you know, shoot me a comment. You, know, you have my Instagram. You have my social media. Just give me a holler. Honestly, I'll leave Alex's social media here in the comments down below. Or honestly, I'll tag him somewhere on my social media pages as yeah, well. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out. Yeah. But guys, we'll please, leave, no, please go, get a hold of us. You have questions because we actually we love doing this. We love sharing um our financial education again we're not advisors we're not consultants so you don't have to you know sit there and take everything we do to a t but at we least- are not financial consultants or financial advisors don't sue me i'm i'm just i'm just saying my opinion here and don't sue brandon <laughs> either guys we're, we're, we're just giving you some research you know some homework to do honestly um you know if, if you like it like i said we're, we're not going to grade you on it but you know what it could help you a lot if you actually take it take it seriously so you know, like I said, take it or leave it. Guys, we're giving you some great stuff to leave with here today. But that's all we got. You guys are awesome. Thanks so much.